0: Hello and welcome to Cloud Spotting. So what have you been up to, old chap?
1: Uh, it's the same old, same old. No, but it's been good. It's been good. Uh, I'm looking forward to summer. And I am extremely excited about this episode.
0: Because we get to talk about cloud. We get to talk about cloud. We never talk about cloud no, on Cloud don't. Spotting.
1: Just not enough, man. Just not enough. We don't, <laughs> we don't talk enough about cloud. Let's not delay this any further. We have an amazing guest in the room. Wilco. Hello and Hi welcome chaps. to the episode. Good to see you.
0: Excellent. Good to
1: be here. Yeah. So, Wilco, tell us about, a bit about yourself. Yeah.
2: So, I'm uh, Wilco Nordemere. Uh I lead the consulting architecture team within Rexpace Professional Services. I joined the uh, the team about six seven months ago, so relatively fl- fresh to uh, uh, to the organization. And I've actually joined from uh, from a customer. So I used to work for Rexpace customer before. That's
1: right. So how, how, how does it feel sitting on the other side of the table?
2: Uh, well, I've known the organization for a long time, so, uh, <laughs> you know, so I've... I've uh,
1: You're all family.
2: Exactly, yeah. I've been, <laughs> I, I, at times I've been called uh, an honorary wrecker already, so, uh, <laughs> yeah, so it's, uh, it's uh, yeah, it's been good, you know, coming in and uh, easy to land in an organization that uh, I already knew quite well, so, yeah.
1: Perfect, perfect. So within Rackspace, now with your role... What's your focus points?
2: Yeah, so um, traditionally within Rackspace Professional Services, uh, when we did consulting around cloud cloud adoption, that kind of stuff, a lot of uh, the uh, engagements that we were doing when we had architecture we were using uh, or uh, getting architecture and architects from... Uh, other sides of the business, so we didn't have a dedicated architecture practice practice within professional services. Um, and uh, uh, yeah, because we're growing so fast, the need became bigger and bigger, so they asked uh, they asked me to set up this uh, this team, so it's uh,
0: really, really great.
1: No, you're very welcome.
0: Excellent. Okay, so Sai, why don't you tell us what this week's episode is all about, because it sounds quite cloudy.
1: Yes, it is. And, and I did say I'm very excited, because it actually talks about one of my favorite topics, uh, and... It's, you could be evangelical about this topic, you could talk about, hey, all the big things, or you could go right down, granular, down to the floor, talk about exact details. But
0: You're teasing me now.
1: I am teasing you. <laughs> I'm teasing, you, I'm teasing all, the, all the listeners as well. The, the topic is really around focusing and talking about applications and designs and infrastructure, whether do you build it on cloud, essentially born in the cloud, or move it to cloud, and it's, it's, this has been a dilemma for most organizations, maybe small businesses who who have sort of sort of created a single single server environment and then started doing business, or for enterprise orgs that have got massive data centers, and then now they're twet, they're questioning whether how do they move across? So do they, they tear up
0: out. what they've already done and all that effort and money down the drain and start from scratch? Exactly, or what pay
1: or, or pay hundreds of millions to consulting firms to come in. <laughs> <laughs> so either ways, yeah. So. Well, let's let's kick it off. I think I think it's a yep. good thing to talk. Let's start by defining these concepts. So we have a concept that's called on cloud. Yep. And and a lot of people talk about born in the cloud.
2: Yeah, born in the cloud or cloud native or on cloud. You know, to me, it's all sort of the same thing. Uh, but I think there's a massive difference between uh, what you need to do as an organization uh, when you're moving to the cloud, right? So first steps, moving. And when I'm talking about cloud, I'm talking about public clouds, right? Yes, so exactly. Let's the clarify AWS's that. AWSs, GCPs, and the of this world, Alibaba's, whatnot. Absolutely. Right? Um, so going there uh, is one thing, um, but being there brings... <laughs> uh, with it, uh, a whole different set of uh, paradigms and things that you need to adopt within your organization. So I think there's a big difference between the two things, uh, and, and, and typically we see that. Uh, yeah, it's it's uh, uh, going to cloud is um, is. It's not easy to do for customers, for for customers or for organizations. Indeed, mm-hmm. uh, it takes it takes time to adopt, to learn these new paradigms, to understand what it means for their business, not just in IT, but also, or maybe even particularly outside of IT. Yeah. Uh, and then once you know you've built some kind of maturity and and uh, understand a bit more, you know, the art of the possible, then you know you will start leveraging some of the things that are in there within those platforms and, and use the services more than you potentially would have done. Exactly. Uh, and, and, and the abilities it gives you to build services in a new way, right? So it's, it's uh, and, and develop
0: your applications in a new way. So Perfect. do you think customers so different... are building comfort by adopting cloud using an IaaS model? Because that's kind of a bit like just doing what they've always done but in the cloud. Or do you think they're more looking to leverage, now that cloud's a bit more mature, and diving straight into PaaS from day one? I think it really depends on on uh, the workloads that
2: you're moving and the organization that you have. So you know the 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 organization that I used to work and, and yeah, so the organization I used to work for is a uh, runs a very large uh, SaaS platform, mm-hmm. um, but the application uh, that runs it uh, is is a is a big monolithic application that was very difficult to. Uh, yeah, that couldn't yet leverage uh, all the past services, so we were more or less forced when we moved it onto uh, onto the cloud to, to right. adopt a, a sort of lift and shift or at least a replatform uh, approach, where uh, where we basically ran everything on on IS, but looked already at certain bits and pieces where we could, you know, optimize using services that are uh, that are in the cloud in storage or whatever, you know, so so see what you can already do,
0: mm-hmm. um, but. So a softly, softly approach. So get in there and then start to experiment. Okay, can we take these specific parts of the service and start to adopt these more yeah, uh, yeah. modern approaches?
2: Yeah, that's... And I think the other difference is it, it it is really dependent on what your landscape looks like. Right. So if you look at a typical um, enterprisey, massive uh, quilt of applications, right, which is uh yeah not not every single application will be you you will be able to 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 move into a cloud native model indeed mm-hmm. um but if you're a, uh you know a startup and you've got no um you know maybe no no history or y- you can you can basically build from scratch mm-hmm. absolutely you know, so if if i were a cto now and if i were running a startup then very likely i would just look at you know building Moving uh, in, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly cloud native
1: Exactly. And here's what the exciting thing about this topic is, and I, I'm going to bring it back in full circle. We can talk about on-cloud versus to-cloud, so IaaS, PaaS, etc., for the entire solution, or you could talk about it for an, a single application stack, or you could talk about it for specific components of an application, mm-hmm. which which again, it, it's, it's almost like Pandora's box. You've opened now a whole segment of things, because we used to talk about hybrid deployments to customers, kind of that part of that was, Mm -hmm. yeah, part of it is IaaS which is non-cloud and part of it is IaaS in the cloud. Mm -hmm. But then that evolved to have IaaS non-cloud with PaaS in the cloud. (laughs) And now we're talking about hybrid IaaS in the cloud and PaaS in the cloud. It's,
0: you're going from traditional hybrid cloud, which sounds like a really weird phrase. I know exactly to, to modern hybrid cloud. Is that what
1: you Oxymoronic phrase, exactly. So, so again, the whole concept of on cloud versus to cloud plays at every level. You could you could have a simple three tier app stack with some some tiers built in the cloud versus some tiers running on depending on traditional architecture.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and that also depends, of course, on what runs
0: the back end of your application
1: exactly. or whatever
0: right exactly why would a customer want to do that do you think or why would an organization want to leverage these things some of these things sitting out of the public cloud some of them in the local
1: it's an interesting concept is it is it probably for uh, economies of scale maybe they can make it more scalable in the cloud which they can't again there's a whole whole range of questions right so if you if you split it into different methods so you're looking at this whole discussion about on cloud and to cloud, mm-hmm. you can look at it in a, in a software architecture perspective. You can say from an architecture perspective, how I build my application, mm-hmm. that could work either ways. But then I could look at an infrastructure design and say, "But well, you're better off running PaaS environments mm-hmm. from an infrastructure perspective. So again, there's a whole concept here that is the same thing, which is seen differently by different people. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and I think it, it's also influenced a lot by... Um, you know what's the pain that you're trying to solve, right? So, so, so what what are you running up against? So, so, in in uh, in my experience, when I was uh, running that SaaS platform that I mentioned earlier, uh, my problem at that time was scaling. Right, scaling yep. on my existing dedicated solution had become so incredibly painful, um, time consuming, difficult to manage in terms of cost in terms of time and the amount of effort and risk that was associated with yet another upgrade of our storage box because we were growing much faster than we anticipated so all that kind of stuff was was for me the reason to move to a cloud platform was uh, having the ability to scale uh, without the pain right, yeah. so, right. Um, uh, so the agility and- that you gain by switching yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly, and and reduced risk, right? So so uh, uh, and and not having the problem of scaling anymore. So mm-hmm. and and that was untraditional, traditional mm-hmm. IaaS traditional traditional. between brackets, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, um, so you can say you know moving to to IaaS and moving from an existing environment straight into uh, uh, IaaS or doing a lift and shift or whatever you want to call it, mm-hmm. um, um, it may not be. Uh, I don't think it's 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 the end state, uh, but it already solves a lot of pain for mm-hmm. uh, for a lot of organizations, right? If you take and, and look at the amount of time and effort you need to put into maintaining a large uh, yep. landscape uh, and 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 doing capacity planning and all that kind of stuff, uh, yeah, it's 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 a lot of work, and and a lot of that work can be taken away.
0: Mm-hmm. So I mean, I, I know in some some. Parts of the cloud-erati, shall we call them? cloud clauderati, <laughs> <like that> <laughs> Would kind of turn up their noses at saying, oh, lifting and shifting into cloud. But actually, what you've just talked about there has demonstrated that even doing a lift and shift allows you to then take uh, advantage of a whole lot of benefits straight away. I think, yeah, no, absolutely. I think the only important thing is that
2: you have to realize it's not an end state, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you gain benefits, uh, but... but uh, to, to gain the true benefits of the cloud or harness the power of the cloud, <laughs> if you want, yeah, you, you you know you you have to realize that you've got to do more stuff because uh, you're not gonna win it in terms of cost probably mm-hmm. if you do this and and don't optimize and move forward, mm-hmm. um, yeah. So there's a, a it doesn't end there. No, uh, I think that that is one of the things that that you can sometimes see where you see or read some negative stories or, or less successful stories about. Yeah, we moved into cloud; it turned out to be more expensive. Well, <laughs> you know, uh, that, I don't think that that is uh, what you should be uh, aiming at. Just yep. look at it from a cost perspective. There's so much other uh, things that you gain from it in terms of, like exactly. you yourself. You have a, you know, all of a sudden you've got this uh, this sort of Swiss Army knife of stuff um that that you that you've got at your disposal um and and once you've got your your data and your applications there it mm. allows you to experiment much more freely with the things that you've got available within the platform so True. i think that that is what the yeah that's where the optimization starts so
0: yep. lift lift and shift versus move and improve oh uh, yes Ooh, here's I, a new I, I can't lead. even trademark that one unfortunately because uh. i heard it from somebody else but it is good yes. <laughs> um but but to that point, I think you you raised there. Uh, you mentioned data because mm-hmm. actually that's often the biggest challenge, isn't it? Because mm-hmm. your application performance is often dependent on how close to the data the application sits. Yep. And so for many organisations, the biggest step is just getting the data moved first. Yep. And then starting to be able to take advantage of all the other services that you can piggyback off the back of that.
1: Yep. It's an interesting point. So, data ingress egress always plays a factor in mm-hmm. any of these designs. But actually, talking to talking about the previous point, Wilco, mm-hmm. it, it kind of gave me flashback of one of our previous episodes. Uh, and we talked about the well-architected framework. Oh, yeah. yes. And again and again, the, the same concepts come into play regardless of whether you're doing it for um, a specific application, mm-hmm. a specific design. And you talk about cost is not the only parameter. And like, that's exactly what we talk about. So just kind of uh, mirroring the concept from yep. well-architected framework, I believe that there are a, there's a similar framework or there's a similar structure that we can sort of utilize to gauge a better understanding of uh, whether you want to build it in the cloud or do you want to move it to the cloud. Can you, can you tell us a little bit more about that?
2: Um, yeah, so I think that, that you know, if you, I think you need to reach a certain level of maturity and experience with these platforms uh, to be able to adopt these these paradigms, right? So, uh, or, and make best use of them. So everybody's talking about you know uh, migrating services into microservices mm-hmm. and containers and uh, that's all that's True. all really good stuff. Absolutely. Um, uh, but don't forget that each of these technology uh, that if you are adopting these technologies that comes also at you know uh, at the additional cost of investing into True. people and training um uh, you know there's 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 always risk associated with adopting new technologies, so oh, you know maybe the, the the first times that you 're going to release on these new platforms it yeah
0: you you know you, it it takes practice and it takes experience um so saying that oh we've uh, we 've moved to agile now because we do daily stand ups every morning, so <laughs> therefore we 're now cloud native uh, you 're saying that's not the entire journey mm, i think <laughs> I think there's maybe a step or more. <laughs> <laughs> yeah maybe one or two oh, done it yeah, okay yeah, I'm yeah, yeah, gonna yeah. rethink
1: my cloud strategy exactly
2: <laughs> yeah so yeah no so uh, yeah I think in terms of culture in terms of things like architecture um, infrastructure designs you know processes yep. you use all this kind of stuff it it, it all gets influenced uh, and it all changes the further up the maturity chain you go in terms of cloud adoption and, Absolutely. and, and on cloud paradigms. Yeah.
1: Absolutely. I mean, I can I can just think on top of my head, culture, maybe process, even architecture to a certain extent is driven by those factors. Yes. It's depending on the people you work with, it's depending mm-hmm. on uh, what are your processes inside the business. Yeah,
0: going out and getting your AWS cert and then, you know, doing some cloud design does not exactly. a, a full architecture make, does it? So you need to then start thinking about what are the impacts of the ways that you manage them so if something simple like deployment so if you want yep. to do provisioning in the cloud um previously maybe in an old school way you were and i'm not i'm not going to quote the six weeks to six months that you often no, see in yes. certain reports and so forth <laughs> but you know let's say you you have deployment timescales of hours to days for new virtual machines on your platform that kind of a time scale um, all of your processes in your organization are built around that, mm-hmm. and the passing of these objects from team to team, and all of the different activities that they might have to do in a, in a traditional enterprise. And now you're moving to this cloud native method. You're creating, if you're going simple IaaS, you're creating uh, golden images, or maybe actually going PaaS and you're just dropping code, and you're provisioning larger environments or, or, or immutable environment. VMs. Even. Exactly.
2: So, and 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 adopting patterns like that is. Has a massive influence on the way of working beyond the operations team. It influences the way that the developers develop their code, the way that the code or the artifacts that they produce or the applications get pushed onto uh, uh, onto onto the different environments yeah. and into production. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I think it's you know uh, and. Going in smaller steps, right? Containers are smaller, are easier to transport between environments, etc. Um, uh, yeah, that that just uh, uh, I think we've we've all acknowledged by now that you know uh, uh, doing things in smaller chunks de-risks uh, certain things. Mm-hmm. Right, it's the way that uh, that we develop in iterations in in an agile process, um, and it's the same with uh, uh, with containers, right? If you if you s- yeah, if the monolith breaks, then everything's <laughs> broken, mm-hmm. right? Uh, uh, and if you uh, and if you have a uh, distributed application, uh, yeah, then your services can break. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, in 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 a, in a well-designed architecture, you would also think of ways that uh, the system can deal with those kind of. Uh, uh, breaking points of the individual small services and that there's you know absolutely uh, things in there that that will help absolutely. still let the system run and maybe do something else or um, um produce you know if you if, if you if you look at netflix for example or mm-hmm. whatever i think that you know everything is service-based and uh, if 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 something in your screen or, or if something on your uh, on the website uh, doesn't doesn't work mm-hmm. uh, it's replaced by something else right yep. With, which still gives you a little bit of functionality but not the full functionality yep. so, so these kinds of patterns you know they influence your architecture they
0: influence the way that you think about indeed uh, your, indeed your, 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 yeah, and better it's, to have a default response than no response at all isn't it exactly
1: Ooh, yeah, yeah totally I mean there's a big shout out in terms of it's not just about deploying it in the cloud but what about ongoing management and maintenance and monitoring you, you can't technically use the same uh, tool sets that you do. You can't just remote into a machine to just say, "Hey, this is how I, I manage it in the IaaS world, and this is how I'm going to do it in the cloud world." It Doesn't work that way. Uh-huh. I think that there is there is a concept, right? If you if you have to do anything manually, you you already lost it. Yes. Uh-huh. So it's 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 all about infrastructure as code and trying to manage that. And that uh, talking about Netflix, it it, it it synonymously shouts out Chaos Monkey uh-huh. Uh-huh. every every time. I mean, that's the biggest. I guess it's uh, to Netflix's. Uh, Phrase. They've, mm-hmm. they've created something that's really good, but it challenges your standard build structure and also your cha- standard maintenance structure. If you if you can't be scalable enough, then maybe there's something that you look back. So uh, we we've, we we've, a lot of these points that we were talking about actually is 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 in a, in a blog article and uh, we'll go share that with us. So we, we'll post it in the in the notes for all our listeners. You can go and check that out. It's it's quite good and quite a lot of detail in there. But I I want to I want to come back onto the, onto the our uh, into the magic word,
0: <laughs> and, and
1: we always talk about this. And Wilco, you already mentioned it, so I'm gonna we're gonna go right back to it. Did <laughs> I? Yes, you did. So the the magic magical container word, uh, Kubernetes, mm. is. Mm-hmm. Would you say to that it is a one stop magic bullet solution for this? Because it sounds like it. If you containerize, you well, it doesn't matter what the cloud is.
2: Um, I think it's important if you uh, if you go down the container route, you're going to have already quite a lot of work uh, in in adopting containers and doing yeah. that well. Um, I think Kubernetes is not a day one problem. No, mm-hmm.
1: and and so. it's simplifying containers, right? I, mean, I I just said moving to containers. Well, that's three words. Yes, it's <laughs> it's not as easy as that.
2: No, again, it's a it's a uh, uh, it's 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 a whole paradigm shift for uh, for for you know, people in operations, people in in development, um, yeah. So you need to you need to uh, you need to do a lot to do that well. And I think it's uh, yeah, it's 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 not it's not that straightforward.
1: No, no indeed. So I think talking about that, there's this things that we can you people need to look at before jumping onto containers. I think, uh, and, and and I've had conversations around this with with some customers who. Understand the concept. So mm-hmm. something that we mentioned earlier, again uh, talking about microservices, mm-hmm. it's it's a good thing to look at. Moving moving away from for, for say for example a monolith application, you you probably your first step is not Kubernetes, because it's never really a first step. It's never a good step. Um, your first step is probably looking at. Exactly that. Looking at microservices. Yep, because you and
0: don't I, have to be using containers to be, do microservices. Exactly. You don't even have to be using you know uh, pods or any of those kind of things. You could theoretically break your application up into pieces. Yep. From a traditional IaaS type, type perspective to start with, and then once you start breaking that out and looking at yeah. what do those individual services do, provide back to the core application. Um, then at that point, you can start looking at for each of those services, what do, what's the best way to run that particular service.
1: Absolutely. And, and there's so many things to consider there. So, well, I think the concepts are, are more clear in terms of what we're seeing and what, what customers need to look at uh, in terms of architecture, design, etc. But one of the things I want to ask you about is, we talked about moving to containers is not going to be an easy task and mm-hmm. there's, there's things to do. What would you say are some of the key factors that a, a customer needs to sort of take into consideration?
2: So I think you have to look at things like uh, automation. So how well are your uh, are your team already aligned or able to uh, do everything as software, and, and understand that you know even working on the cloud and uh, yeah that, that it's all that it's all going to be software based, right? So no longer are you going to SSH or uh, into whatever yep. and fix the thing on the machine. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know you you yeah you um, uh, you pull the code, uh, make the changes, uh, commit, and uh, and push it through uh, pipelines. so it's a completely different way of managing uh, infrastructure and and the same goes for containerization you know it's it 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 sort of builds on to this
0: on on, to these concepts I remember there was an article probably must have been about six seven years ago when somebody said the storage admin is dead yeah, <laughs> and it begs the question: You know, are we getting to the point? Okay, yes, we still have storage admins around, but not not in the same volume they were before. And are we going to get to the point where we're going to say the operating system admin is dead? Yeah, that, yeah. you know, I've seen I've seen talks. Uh,
2: I think it was last year or year before at DevOps Days where somebody was doing a talk about. Uh, I, I can't remember which platform it was, but he was basically in the ops team for one of the larger platforms out there. Uh, um, I think it was uh, for airline tickets or something like that i can't remember exactly uh, but the talk was about how they what the journey was they were going through to remove ssh access from every single wow. uh, thing that they were running in
0: production
1: it's mm-hmm. a bold step
0: the cool thing there is though if you can get rid of that not only have you reduced the administrative overhead but you've also made it more secure
1: i yeah, absolutely my god the amount so many tick boxes at the mm. same time that's impressive, but it is a bold step. Because if you if you talk to any customer right now and say I can't give you SSH access to a service, there's going to be a little bit of sweaty palms there. Like, <laughs> oh my God, how am I
2: going to fix this? But then you know, you, then you've got. To, but but by extension, you've got to think about the security of
0: your pipeline, right? Yeah, because you've transferred. Yeah, you're risk moving the risk somewhere. area, aren't you? Yeah. yeah. So it's That's no true. longer the front-end operating system; it's yeah. everything that leads up to where the code arrives at that operating yeah. system. So, so, so these are, you know, so, so this is a prime example of of how one thing mm-hmm. leads
2: to another, right? Mm-hmm. And uh, how these 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 changes in technologies that you adopt uh yeah have to lead to different behaviors have to lead to how teams operate uh, differently and uh, i think that's that's yeah that's really interesting
0: so the cultural change there as well then because you're you're now not just making small changes let's say i'm making a change to iis which might impact the dev team for example as me as an administrator well actually now by changing to these new uh new methods the the, the chain of people impacted by changes is much longer um, so we have to work more collaboratively so that also means a cultural change as well within the business, not just around agility and adopting new processes like that but also just literally about the way people work together and work yes. more closely and cooperatively No, absolutely Absolutely yeah. And, uh, yeah,
1: yeah, sounds good I think there was a lot of detail there and it's good, good conversation I, um, as I said, this is a very exciting episode and I hope uh, that was enough information for everybody to, to have a think about and, and sort of trigger the conversations internally with you guys. Get some neurons moving. Get some mm, right, neurons moving. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, I, I think that's about the time we have on this episode. What do you think, Is Alex?
0: It? I thought we had some news.
1: We do. We do. That's a good thing. Um, yeah, there was a a news article that was very interesting uh, that I came across. Uh, it talked about uh, funding, public uh, so global spending on sort of public cloud utilization and services. And they were talking how, they were saying that, in 2019 itself, uh, public cloud services are expected to hit something in the range of 200 billion US dollars. I know uh, this is according to Gartner, and and they were saying by 2022, the companies that are doing cloud first are going to move to cloud only. So there's a huge paradigm shift here. So you're thinking about cloud first being hybrid, but then Cloud only is mm-hmm. essentially just lifting and, and just going straight into the cloud, and they're expecting that to hit around three hundred billion dollars.
0: So the, the the how does that work then? They're they're expecting all of these organisations to move overnight, I lift don't know. and shift
1: overnight, or are know. they
0: saying that from then on you're going to see a growing adoption?
1: I think from then on. All ah, right. I, I would read it that way. Uh, although.
0: i was going to say, otherwise, yes. it's going to be a busy couple of years. Oh, yeah, <laughs> definitely,
1: definitely. <laughs> now the the interesting point that it kicked off is. Enterprises, especially who, who, who essentially go from cloud first to cloud only, mm-hmm. they're they're massively going to change their uh, software licensing footprint, mm-hmm. and that's a key thing picked up here because if you think about it, um, enterprises that that are hugely Microsoft based, they probably have a massive account with Microsoft right now, just just with licensing Windows and SQL, mm-hmm. and if they move to the cloud and they're suddenly adopting cloud based licensing. There's a huge change in in how the business works for Microsoft, mm-hmm. and I think I think that's an interesting concept.
0: So it's interesting because it almost it almost mirrors um, the, the. I'm trying to think of the actual phrase, but um, the way that modern economies. Um, have modelled themselves over time because most modern economies have moved more towards a service-based economy, yep. um, and have moved away from manufacturing. I.e., they're moving from more kind of capital-intensive economies to more service-intensive economies, and so entire organizational business uh, and and economies change towards those models. So, if you're then taking the same process and the same approach towards a cloud model, you're almost saying it's almost following the, following the way that many of the modern companies are going. So, getting away from these capital intensive, own your data centers, run all of your stuff, have to you know, account for depreciation and Absolutely. all that kind of stuff, and now moving to entirely different uh, yeah, economic models within the business. I'm sure. So, that's a huge uh, yeah. shift, uh, not just at an IT level.
1: No, business level. I'm sure like enterprises who do planning quarters ahead are going to have some difficulty moving to from a capex to an opex model.
2: Yeah, not just that, right? So, so, so if you if you think about things like uh, traditional IT budgeting, mm-hmm. which is you know uh, a, a flat with an uplift month on month sort yep. of idea, and then mm-hmm. uh, yeah, going so I used to talk to uh, to a business controller every month around uh, budget, mm-hmm. uh, and then you know having to explain uh, yeah that it that it's going to be fluctuating a lot more yeah, a depending thing. on uh, on use mm-hmm. uh, th- think of things like uh, serverless where you've got business processes that scale to zero right yep. so yep yeah it works but only exactly. if it's uh, uh, if it's actually being used um, exactly. so so yeah ev- so everything changes it's mm-hmm. uh, uh, and, and, and and across across the business
0: and you're, you, you may be adopting these new models and in the long term you'll end up with that but in the short term you also have a a period of, I don't want to say pain, because it's not necessarily pain, but you've certainly got a period of um, additional investment that you're going to have to make. You often see with the models with the cloud spend around uh, adopting a cloud for a particular workload, there's always a spike at the start in terms of investment because it's not just moving to the cloud. It's also the readjustment of your internal processes. There's yeah. the costs of redevelopment of your applications, et cetera. So it's you have this big wrong. spike, which then tails off, is not
1: it? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, there was an interesting constant, uh, conversation I had recently with a... Um, uh, big e-commerce retailer and uh, you know we talk about scope creep in projects, this was an infrastructure creep so <laughs> essentially they, they've, they've just been adding on mm. more uh, resources and it's got to a point where the benchmark or the baseline has now gone up so high that it's it's almost v- it's, it's very close to the peak <laughs> it's bizarre, so we were having a conversation around it and, and moving to the cloud and we we're talking about how they can move from an uh, a baseline model to more of a, a spike based model mm-hmm. and getting that concept to this to the c f o to say you know when you're not selling stuff you know you can ramp it all the way down to this cost, and there was a shock on his face to say <laughs> mm-hmm. oh really that that never dawned so <laughs> can it's we, can not we st- leave it there as well the- <laughs> leave it now. so so it's not just um your cost increase when you have a spike but the savings that you can make when you don't have a spike. Mm-hmm. That, that concept, it, people don't grasp that's it that very easily. Hard
0: for, yeah, that's very hard to budget for, though, isn't it? Exactly. That's the tricky part. And, it's, and that also begs, or that also, has uh, as many. some of our listeners might say, it behooves us <laughs> um, to, to model out what we, what we estimate and be more accurate in things like capacity planning for those peaks we can you know kind of guesstimate what that's going to look like because when it is so variable you have to have some idea of it or you're just going to be left in a, a very awkward conversation with your cfo
1: exactly exactly and since you said behooves <laughs> uh, i think it's time to uh, let everyone know that it's the end of the episode oh it behooves us, to it end the behooves episode. us. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah absolutely we've come to the end of this episode but again if you have any comments feedback if you feel like there's something interesting in there or you want to add to the conversation let us know tweet us email us, and um, absolutely, thank you, Wilco, for your yeah, time. My pleasure. Yeah. Good Thank to you, Carolina. Thank you.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Wilco, if anybody wanted to uh, stalk you online, where might they find you, on the, on yeah, the Twitter so, sphere or yeah. somewhere? I am, I am on Twitter,
2: albeit not that active uh, recently, but at uh, Northern Lake, and uh, yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn. Uh, Fantastic. Uh, under, under my real name.
1: <laughs> <Brilliant, man. laughs> Fantastic. Bye. Bye. Bye bye.